So I've entitled this, this part of the series, Word Power, and it's a focus on the written word of the Lord, why we do believe what the Bible says, what it said, the, the character, the nature of God as it was passed down for thousands upon thousands of years, and how to apply it today. So I want to go deeper into that, but today I, I would like to leave you with a sense of applying the word in the right circumstance, if you know what I mean, and using it for war and using it for battle. If you're, let me just start by saying this simply, if you're having difficulty hearing God in your current circumstance, what are you saying, Lord? What are you doing? Teach me, Lord. How about you start with what he already said? Isn't that a good place to start? Because in that, you find out the nature of God, the character of God. Maybe he's not exactly telling you where to go to college or what car to buy, all right? But you're going to get a principle and an understanding. So, for example, if you read enough of God's already written word to know that he's for you and not against you, to know that he has a plan of salvation and a plan to heal you, set you free, yada, yada, yada. Now when you go into your prayer closet, so to speak, in your prayer time, you're already carrying that character and that nature of God that says he's for me and not against me. Isn't it so much easier to apply and hear the word of God for the now season? Does that make sense? So there's an emphasis. I know we hear God a lot of different ways, all right? That's another series, but in this series, we're talking about getting your Bible back out and dusting it off. Amen. So I've entitled it Word Power, because our words have powers. Our words have power, but more than that, when we speak what God speaks, it's as if God spoke it even today. Why? Because he's still alive, and the author of this book is still living. How about that? Let's start with 1 Peter I'm going to hit you hard right out of the gate. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm not feeling fuzzy like I felt coming in anymore. Sorry, is that, too, is that hitting you too hard? You have an enemy. It says, Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Everybody in the world has an enemy. God, um, God is for you, but the enemy wants to devour you. He hates humans. Saved or unsaved, he hates you. He's not, he's not pleased at all that you came here this morning, for one thing. He's like, oh, why would they brave that snowstorm? That's crazy. He wanted you to stay home, for one thing. He wanted you to not interact. He can't stand the fact that you loved your wife or your husband this week. He can't stand it. He can't stand the way you just worshiped God. That just really ticks him off. He can't stand happy marriages, happy families. He can't stand that you would encourage someone. And he certainly can't stand when you open up the already written word of God and start to apply it to your life and allow it to transform. He is out to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to devour us, and I want us to go home with a, with a, a recognition of how he sets out to do that. Why? So that we can kick him back in his teeth and say, not going to happen today, devil. Amen? Can we do that? Somebody say, not going to happen today, devil. All right, I like it. I like interaction. So let's start with that. Second Corinthians, now follow me, 11.3 says, but I fear, Paul says, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so that your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity 
that is in Christ. Devil's out to devour us. How does he do it? Somebody say, it's a mind game. He wants to get into your mind and start to wreak havoc in that place. If he can start there, he's already got a foothold of who you choose to believe. So it's a mind game. John 8, 44. Now Jesus is speaking to unbelievers, those who are rejecting him um, and, and choosing not to believe him. He says, you are of your father, the devil. This is some harsh words, man. And the desires of your father, meaning the devil, you want to do that. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar, and he's the father of it. He's the father of lies. That is his main attack, people. That is, it. That is the main way that he tries to get in and start to wreak havoc and start to devour humans, is to get them to change their mind so that they agree with him and not God. When you agree with the devil, we should expect devilish results, right? When we agree with God, we can expect God-like results. And the God of miracles can start working his word out in our life. You tracking so far? So the battle is to believe a lie or to believe the truth. Now here's the, here's the a bit of a clincher. He likes to use your tongue and your voice to get to speak something that is not from God and to agree with him. And one story that I remembered this week is a, a, a number of years ago, my dad had about three major operations in the same year. And he was in the hospital what seemed for like an eternity. And I was the, I was the power of attorney. He had already uh, took care of that. So, so I'm just like checking in and paying all the bills and, and trying to keep him afloat. Mom had already passed away. And so, and so she was gone, and all of us siblings were just trying so hard to figure out what's next and to meet with the doctors. And I'm, I have a full-time career. I was a production manager. I have a family with four very busy kids, and we're trying to visit Hershey Medical at the same time. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy season. But what happened to my dad, he, he actually got very, very oppressed in his spirit. And his psyche just got really attacked. Not only was his body attacked, we thought he was going to die about three times, but his mind was attacked. He fell into a very deep depression. And, and then he started like lashing out, you know, at everybody that would come to see him. Not quite everybody maybe, but the nurses and everybody's trying to help him and the familiarity of us, he knew us. And he was so bad that the nurses couldn't even set the water bottle down at the right place. He would get angry and move it and snap at them and bark at them. And I knew there was something happening in his, in his mind where I knew he was really sick. You know, I'm, I'm trying not to judge because I don't know what I'd be like if I went through what he went through because he was really sick. But it was just a horrendous, horrendous time. And, and the siblings were like, man, I don't even want to go visit him. You know, you felt really guilty saying that out loud. But you're, and I didn't take the kids in for, for months and months at a time because I didn't want him to bite their heads off. You know, it was just really, really rough. And, and, and Alicia and I sat down with some mentors of ours, pastors at the time, and we started sharing what it's doing to us and, and the siblings and the family. And gosh, we know we've got to support him and pray for him and grumbling and a little bit of complaining, right? We're just sharing our hearts. And the first thing out of her mouth, this mentor lady said, he said, she, she said, oh, number one, I want you guys to start agreeing with God and not the devil. 
<laughs> yeah, I was a little offended. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm not the one agreeing with the devil. And she said, no, I heard you say a few things. She said, you, you, ex- you expressed this whole situation as a thing that seems impossible. Like it's an impossible situation. Like, like you can't picture in your mind what it would be like beyond this because you use words like it's impossible and 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 she said Matthew 19:26 says with God all things are possible and so you have to agree with God and not the devil that's where you start amen somebody and so we went there to air out some of our you know craziness going on in our family and, and asking for prayer and all that and I got a mind adjustment and I'll never forget when I went in there because I, I was actually starting to sort of almost turn on my dad because, you know, it makes you want to lash back. When he's lashing out, even though I knew he was in pain, it makes you want to lash back. And, and I, I'll never forget the day I said, I'm going to go in and pray for him. I don't care if he snap, bites my head off. God will give me a new head. <laughs> but I'm using that metaphorically, of course. But, but he was just an angry individual. He was just being attacked by the devil. Uh, and I'll never forget. I went in there and I pushed through. And I started speaking scripture over him in life. And I've never seen, get this, the only time I saw my dad cry was at my mom's funeral just a few weeks prior to that. I'm like, oh, my dad has tears. My dad's a stoic German character. I was a stoic German character. That's our, that's our heritage. And you just don't cry. Men don't cry in the German culture. Pennsylvania Dutch too, a lot of y'all. That's just true, right? But when I started to pray and started to get out the word of the Lord, I'm done agreeing with the devil. I'm going to speak something true. And I prayed for life. And my dad would sit there and sob uncontrollably. And then I would leave him alone in that presence of God and walk out. I didn't want to see what comes back, you know, after I leave. I did that a couple times. But, you know, long story short with that, you know, God did restore his body. He came through that, got out, and he got his character back, like his personality returned. He was just in a really bad season. But I needed to start agreeing with God's word. You understand? With God, all things are possible. Some of you need to hear that today. There are no impossible situations with the Lord. If you've said that, you've already agreed with the enemy of our souls. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's a serious heavy. (laughs) Makes me go, whoa. How about we don't read that one today? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, Let me just, I think it's more about who you're agreeing with. Are you agreeing with the father of lies? Are you agreeing with our heavenly father? And then when you choose to speak it out using your tongue and your voice, it can have adverse effects. It can have a blessing effect. It can have a life or a death effect. Does that make sense? I want to talk to you a little bit from Ezekiel today. Ezekiel 37, and he's having a spiritual experience. Ezekiel is one of the Old Testament prophets. He's having a vision. He's caught up in the spirit. And it talks, he's, he sees a valley of dry bones. Some of you read this story. And I want to, I want to give you a principle today from, from this Old Testament story. He said, the hand of the Lord came upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of a valley. Now he's seeing this in like a vision, right? And it was full of bones. And then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many 
in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Somebody say very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel goes, eh. He didn't actually say that. He said, he said God, you know. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sensing like, eh, well, I'm not going to answer that. I, I sense doubt. Like, I don't know. He, he wants to say, I don't know. God will let that up to you, right? And, and then God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you. You shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover your skin, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Now I want you to hear verse seven. If you hear nothing else today, I just want you to carry verse seven home with you. Ezekiel said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Now, I'm pausing so that you think about that. He decided in that moment to say only what the Lord told him to say. Not what he was feeling. He didn't want to answer the Lord previously very well. Not what he was sensing. Well, I'm, I'm wondering what other people's opinion might be. I'm actually seeing dry bones in front of me. I'm seeing death, hell, and destruction in front of me. I'm seeing my circumstance. I'm seeing sin. I'm seeing, you know, twisted lies of every kind, perhaps. I'm seeing this. I'm seeing, I feel this. I know this, and I heard this, and I want to get someone else's opinion. I want to get the farmer on the other side of the valley of dry bones to give me his opinion before I speak. I want to go on Facebook, and I want to get a few other opinions before I speak, and I want my family to know. Yep. No, no, he said, I, I said what the Lord told me to say, and that was it. Oh, God, help me do that. Help. Amen, somebody? If, if we could get into the spirit, so to speak, spend some time with Jesus, and then come out of that place and say to the circumstance what God has laid on our heart to say in full agreement with him only, I wonder what the effects of our culture would be, what effect we could have, what impact we could have on our culture just doing that. So he prophesied as he was commanded, and there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone, flesh to flesh, and as life started coming in that valley in his vision. Why? Because he spoke the word of the Lord, y'all. Ephesians 6, 17 says, and it's talking about putting on the full armor of God, and it includes the sword of the Spirit. Some of you know this, come on, which is the Word of God. How about this one? Hebrews 4, 12, for the Word of God is living, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's calling the word a sword again. It's piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and have joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And kind of Colossians 3, 2, where it says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. It's like the sword of the Spirit helps you discern truth from lies. And then to choose the right thing to believe and the right thing to say. How many know that if you believe right, you will do right? 
It can't work any other way. If you're doing something twisted, you have to first believe something twisted. Does that make sense? Unless you're really naive, you don't know that. that but typically, it's a mind game first. It's a deception first, and it's a lie first, and then we carry out what it is we believe upstairs. Does that make sense, y'all? If we can learn to use the written word of God and then agree and align ourselves with God through it and then speak what God spoke, I think we can resist the enemy as we're called to do, very much like Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness by those things. In the last two messages, uh, Jimmy brought out how Jesus was led into the wilderness, how he overcame the temptations of the enemy by quoting the word of the Lord. Listen to those last two messages. Well, we face many temptations today, do we not? Many traps of the enemy, as I call them, many deceptions and many lies. Now, they may be a little more modern than what Jesus was tempted to do, but we're tempted by many, many things. And, um, you know, sin, sin is this. The definition of sin is falling short of the glory of God, but, the, but it actually means to miss the mark. Meaning God says, this is, this is who you're called to be, and you're shooting off center. You're not hitting the bullseye, right? And so repenting from sin means to God, help me to hit the mark and to be what you've called me to be and to say what you've called me to say and all that. Well, well let's learn to kick the devil in his teeth right there. Can we start right there? By, by aligning ourselves with what God already said in his written word and then declaring it to be true in our day. You can get a principle. How about, how about we do this? Um, I just want to throw out a few that I was thinking about this week. For example, oppression. We're not called to be oppressed, amen? I need a tissue. Can I grab one of those tissues? Excuse me, people. Pentecostal up in here. Some of you got that. Those of you who've been to Pentecostal churches, I just felt the anointing right there. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. How about, how about the oppression that some of you felt coming against you this week? And there's many forms of oppression. But Psalm 146, verse 7 says this, He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry, and the Lord frees the prisoners, all right? Do you think that when you read what he said, it can still apply, at least in principle and truth, to today, to the here and the now? You're not sure. I am. Okay. That was a question. <laughs> I would say yes. And so I say, all right, Lord, I believe that what you say is more true than what I'm experiencing right now. And so I turn it into a prayer. First, I align with the truth and I say, I believe it to be true. That starts to train, change your brain waves. And now the Holy Spirit's inside working on you going, the truth, the truth, the truth can overcome a lie, shatter every stronghold. I'm feeling oppressed I'm feeling like there's way too many circumstances hitting me at once. And then I look in the word and it says, I don't have to experience that because I can declare freedom in the Lord. And then I turn the word of God into a sword of the spirit and I begin to pray. I break off every oppressive spirit in the name of Jesus. How about, how about this one? How about guilt, shame, and condemnation? Another demon that I was running into this week 
with a lot of people. Guilt, shame, and condemnation. I don't know if I can feel free, and I'm not sure that I deserve it because of what I did, even after I said yes to Jesus because of the stuff that I kept doing before I really felt freedom. And and now I'm still working on the freedom part, but I want to follow Jesus. And there's guilt holding you back. There's shame. Shame is a powerful weapon of the enemy. It makes you look down. It makes you not look at the cross. It makes you say, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve a life in Christ. And I don't know that the Lord can use me because of my horrendous past and the crazy stuff that I chose to do. Jesus died for that as well. Even if you chose to sin and you did it on purpose and you got even more creative with your sin, he died for that too. And he says, I break off guilt, shame, and con- how, how about if we look at Romans 8, 1, and it, where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, and to battle that particular sin, or that particular stronghold, if you will, it starts by breaking off shame and agreeing with God of what he said about us. You take your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you stab it through the heart of the enemy and say, shame has no place in me anymore. I've been forgiven. He loves me like crazy. And now you just ticked off the enemy's camp again by saying that and agreeing with the word of God of what he said over you. Amen? That's powerful stuff. I don't care who you are. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I need to know what the word of the Lord is for my circumstances before I can feel like I can move forward. And I need to take my sword and I use the written word of God, things that God said, promises, truths, and I'm, I'm so thankful. I don't know about you, but I am so, so thankful to all the men and women that, that held this well, canon of scriptures together for literally thousands and thousands of years. It made it through the dark ages. It made it through world wars. And it's still here today. So that we know what God said to us. And then it's so much easier as well to have a real living relationship with him. We know what he said and we know what he's saying. Amen, somebody? Let's do a little bit more. I'm asking to ask Alicia to share part of her story. Join me in welcoming Alicia to the stage. This is my wife. Hi, darling. A lot of you, I've been married for over 20 years, and some of you don't know that I'm married because (laughs) because, uh, Alicia is the director of children's ministry here at Lifeway, and she helps with admin, admin for pastoral, admin for the church, but she's often doing that on a Sunday morning. She's very busy back there. They have like 80-some volunteers, right? Is that more? It's an amazing team. Give it up for all the children's ministry (laughs) team workers. They're an amazing crew. Really, really good people. But Alicia and I, a couple years ago, um, started to really be very intentional about using the word of the Lord in Scripture, the already written word of God, to, you know, break down strongholds. And so I wanted Alicia to share some of that journey. And it's, it's, not, it's not by accident, because she's going to talk about the spirit of fear. And I know that a lot of people deal with that. All right, and so did Alicia. And so can you share our journey with that? And then we're gonna look at scriptures and we're gonna activate and apply them and pray through some scriptures to break the spirit of fear. Does that sound fun? Amen. Well, thanks. It's good to be up here this morning sharing a little bit. So my story would really be a story of uh, learning to have victory over fear. And fear was definitely something that I struggled with from the time I was a little kid. Um, and it was very oppressive, but I feel like it really got heightened as I um, 
got married and then we started having children and then I started worrying about the kids and we have a mortgage and we have a house and we're trying to keep our marriage going and, and the fear just really was heightened and very, very oppressive. And then it was a number of years after that, um, I think I just reached a point where I was so tired of living that way and I said, I, I can't live with this fear anymore. I have to, to learn to stand and fight it. Yeah. And I learned that ignoring it in your head or pretending like you're not afraid isn't gonna work, it's not gonna do anything that's sort of like pretending like a wildfire isn't coming near you or this blazing fire isn't going to get you. It doesn't do anything. Right. So I was really learning that opening my mouth and speaking the word of God, like Vern said, is a sword that would go out and, and fight against the darkness and the oppression. It would break it. Um, so that was just a journey that I learned. And I feel like I've had a lot of victory over it, but you still have to stand and fight. It's not a once and done battle. It's a, it's a battle that you keep fighting yeah. in your walk with the Lord. Yeah. Amen. So, so Alicia, what is one of the main scriptures that we started to use yeah. uh, in warfare? Mm -hmm. And if I want to, what I want Alicia to do is read it to me. And then I want to walk you through how we applied it and interacted with it and engaged in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Amen. So uh, one of the ones that I prayed a lot with 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has right. not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yeah, so, so when you read the truth, it says God didn't give me this spirit that I'm feeling right now. Mm -hmm. He didn't give it to me, so where does it come from? Yeah. It doesn't come from God, so therefore it shouldn't be in me. It shouldn't be my experience, although it is. Mm -hmm. So now we apply the truth. Now we know that it's not from God. God did not give me a spirit of fear, even though I'm walking right now in a spirit of fear. We start by agreeing with God. It doesn't come from you. Mm -hmm. What did you give me, Lord? You gave me power, you gave me love, and you gave me a sound mind. And then we start by agreeing. Setting our mind on things above is agreeing with what God already said. Mm -hmm. Then we started to pray it. Mm -hmm. And we said, God, Give me, let me experience your power, your love, and a sound mind. Then we got even more bold. We said, I take authority over the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. And you must be gone. And we did it again and again and again and again until it was gone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it took a while. Mm -hmm. And then we yeah. did it again. And then we did it the next day and the next day and the next day until the spirit of fear was stabbed through the heart. Mm -hmm. And we interacted with that word I don't know, it probably was a whole year journey, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. of using the sword of the spirit in that particular thing that was hitting Alicia really hard. What was another one that you used? Another one is 1 John 4:18, which says, there is no fear in love, but yeah. perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Now I'm finding a key. That's still true today. He wrote it. I think it's still true. I wonder if there's an area in me that doesn't quite trust the Lord because I'm not perfected fully in his love mm -hmm. and I'm relying on other forms of love and acceptance mm -hmm. or something like that. There's different ways to interact with scripture, but I wonder if I need a, a, a revelation of the love of God that passes where I currently am. So then we turn it into a prayer. Lord, perfect me in your love. Lord, I need something more than what I have because your scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. So perfect me in your love, Lord, and help me to stand so enveloped in your love that when fear rears its ugly head, I don't even notice. I'll say, there you are again. Mm -hmm. 
Something like that, right? Amen. Was there another one that we used back then? Yeah. Uh, Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Anybody struggle with the fear of man? By the way, yeah, by the way, public speaking is one of the biggest <laughs> fears people face. So she, she did that today. Indeed. We faced that fear. No. <laughs> but, um, but fear of man, fearing other people, is a huge, huge deal in our culture. We, mm-hmm. we really do care what other people think, right? Mm-hmm. Or we tend to, unless we're perfected in God's love. Yeah. And so we say, what can they do to me? Mm-hmm. David prayed that when he was actually being chased around, you know, ready to be murdered by Saul, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so how much, we're not facing the same devils like that. There's no Saul in our life necessarily, but we face things that are still trying to throw us off course. And oftentimes God works through people. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Sometimes the devil's working through people because he's got them twisted. He's got them believing a lie. So then we start, and if the enemy's working in us, we start to believe what other people say is true about us instead of what God is saying is true about us. Amen? Did that make sense? That didn't even make sense to me. (laughs) Y'all are pretty good out there. But anyway, it's still a battle. And so we say, Lord... Help me not to fear people. Now we pray it. God, I cast off the fear of man. I trust fully in you. Amen. You take the sword of the spirit. You align yourself with the truth. What did God say? I choose to believe that. Now it's doing something in your head. It's doing something in your brain. Now you pray it and you speak it out. Mm -hmm. We pray out loud in our bedroom or in our living room and you engage with it and say it out loud um, so, so that it has its full working. Because the creative word of God, when it was spoken, created the whole universe, right? So when we're agreeing with God, it's as if God's saying it again. This is your word, Lord. Mm-hmm. It's going to have an outworking yeah, in our minds. Does that make sense? Was there another one or was that it for that? Yeah, Psalm 91 is another one, and we won't read through it because it's really yeah. long. Uh, but that's one that we've used a lot, and I know a lot of people use. And uh, we will often pray through that as a declaration over our family, over our marriage, over whatever circumstances are happening in our life. So I would really encourage you to, to write that down and use that one as well. Yeah, when I read Psalm 91, I've so changed it in my mind that I pray right through it. It's like I, I'm paraphrasing what's there and I'm turning the whole thing into like a prayer over my family, you know, for healing and, and free, from, free from this and free from that. I encourage you to look up Psalm 91 today and just turn it into a prayer because it's the word of God and you declare it, you believe it, yeah, and we good. still use it. We'll probably use it till the day we die because it's just something we, we need to do. And so do you, right? Y'all catching this? Mm-hmm. I want you to see how you interact no, with, with the written word of God and what he's saying, and then you engage it and you apply it. And we wanted to show you some simple ways. So can we practice this one particularly about fear? Mm-hmm. So is anybody relating to the whole fear thing? Anybody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. About 50% of you at least. This is, a real, this is a real problem in our culture, by the way. Mm-hmm. Ther- it's making some therapists really, really rich. <laughs> I don't want to put therapists out of business. I'm just, I'm just saying. We can get free from this thing. It's a stronghold. High, high anxiety is gripping most kids in school now. Mm-hmm. And uh, in colleges and in schools. And, and, but it's a spirit, y'all. It's a spirit of fear that wants to grip your soul and make you say and do things that are not spirit-filled, not spirit-led. So let's do this. Can you, can you say it after me? Y'all know I like to do this. I like engagement. You just, just repeat after me. Y'all ready? 
Say, in the name of Jesus. Spirit of fear, spirit of fear, you must go. You must go. You are crushed. You are crushed and destroyed. And destroyed. I cast you out. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I take on. And I take on a spirit of power. A spirit of power. Love. Love. And a sound mind. And a sound mind. Because the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. Lives in me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was good, wasn't it? Amen. I know it's simple. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's simple, but it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And wanna, I want to lead right from there. We're, we're done with the engagement part, but I want to lead right into there. Can you all stand with me a little bit? That's what we got for you today. But the reason it's so powerful is because it's called the living word. Because the one who wrote and inspired this book thousands of years ago is still alive. Nobody who wrote a book thousands of years ago was still alive, (laughs) except Jesus, except the Holy Spirit, except Father God who inspired it. And when when he speaks and we speak what he spoke, we're activating the living word because the author's still living within us and he's speaking through us. Does that make sense? That's why there's power in what you say. There's, there's power to destroy strongholds and lies of the enemy as you speak it out, give it a voice and agree with them. Some of you need to start today by inviting the author of the Bible himself into your spirit, into your life. It's, it's not hard. It's a very easy beginning. It looks like this. I agree that you are Lord. You're the author of the Bible, but I believe that you are my Lord and my Savior, and I want to give you a place to work in my life by declaring you, Lord, Holy Spirit, I want you living in me and changing my thought patterns to agree with the word of the Lord. I need that outworking in my life. I repent of all my sin. It's time to give your life over to the Lord. There's a few in the house today that need to start there. Every eye closed just for a moment. I want to give you an opportunity, as we do every Sunday, to declare Jesus Christ as your Lord, and the author of the Bible can come and take residence up inside of you. If that's you today, I I don't want you to think about it too much. I just want you to raise your hand and make that commitment today. Amen. And then we can pray a prayer over you. We won't say, we won't call you forward. We won't take you to a hidden room in the church or anything like that. We're just going to pray for you. And we want to just walk with you on the beginning of that journey. If that's you, raise your hand right now. We're just going to pray. Amen. I see you. I see you. I see you. It's so good. Now, I'm going to pray a prayer. Thank you. I see you too. So good. You can put your hands down. That's so wonderful. I'm so excited right now. I can hardly keep preaching. All right. I want, to, I want us all to pray together. And I'm going to also then in that prayer invite the Holy Spirit to just come and take up residence within us. I, y'all, I, I pray this. I'm going to pray this the rest of my life. I say, Holy Spirit, come fill me up. It's not a once and done thing. It's a lifestyle of saying, Holy Spirit, I want more of you and less of me in my brain waves. Amen. I want to think your thoughts. That's going to make me do your will. So let's all pray together. Can we out loud say, in the name of Jesus, I submit my life to you. I call upon you, Jesus. And I I say, I, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. 
and I receive your forgiveness for me. I make you Lord of my life today. Now say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to live within me and to fill me completely to where my thoughts become your thoughts. And then the word of the Lord comes out of my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's give a round of applause for those that came into the kingdom today. That's so fun. Yeah.